Hello, welcome to another episode of the Spirit of 2016 podcast. We are back with our first podcast in 2022. It is a double header of friendlies at Luxembourg on Friday night, the 25th of March, and then a home game against Hungary on Tuesday, the 28th of March. I'm delighted to be joined, first of all, uh, by Ben Harshaw. Ben, how are you? Welcome back. Quiz champion, if I remember correctly. Yes, you do remember correctly. But yes, thank you. Thank you for having me again. Um, yes, I'm looking forward to another year of Northern Ireland. Good stuff, good stuff. Uh, my name's Andy Bell, by the way. I always forget to say that. And I'm delighted as well to be joined for the first time by uh, Gareth Hanna from the Belfast Telegraph. Gareth, how are you? Thank you very much for coming on. Hello, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. And it was great as well not to be here for that Christmas quiz because you asked me to go on to that and I couldn't. And then I listened back to it and I went, thank goodness, because I would have embarrassed myself. Absolutely embarrassed myself. I was playing along at home while I was taking my Christmas tree down and I was just counting my blessings that day. I wasn't available that night. Yeah, we, we had to get Rain Man on in your uh, in your place for that one. like so. Um, but yeah. Uh, listen back to that one. If you want some more content for us, it will all still be relevant. Obviously, we haven't played since then. It is the first game of the year at Ben Friday night against Luxembourg. And I've seen a bit of chat on social media um, about the quality of the opponents. And I feel like a lot of people are talking about Luxembourg historically as a minnow. But in reality, they're actually quite a decent side. Now they pick up nine points in their last World Cup qualification group. They beat the Republic of Ireland in Dublin 1-0. And they were second seeds for the, the League C, Nations League. We were obviously top seeds, having dropped down. Um, 93rd ranked in the world, which, you know, how much attention you pay to the rankings, I don't know. But I feel like games like this actually will prepare us for the tests that we'll come up against in League C, a group we have to win, opposition we have to win against, that we'll have maybe most of the ball against. Um, and... You know, the Republic of Ireland playing Belgium in a friendly. A lot of people are looking at that, thinking a glamorous tie like that would be good, but I'm not sure it would prepare us as well as what this game will. No, I mean, you've stolen my main point, which is basically that it's not the Luxembourg that we're used to. It's not the Luxembourg of 10 years ago. Um, you know, The Luxembourg of 10 years ago still beat us, by the way. I know that. I know. I was just thinking that. Um, but uh, no, they're, they're, they're a good team. They're, they're a decent enough team. Do I think we should be beating them? Yes, I do. Um, but... You know, they're, they're similar similar level to what we're going to be playing in the Nations League as far as I'm concerned. So, I, yes, it would be lovely to play a Germany, a France, someone like that. But what do we learn from that? And also, this is a chance maybe to, you know, introduce some, some players here, whereas he's probably going to be more reluctant to introduce them if you are playing one of those superior nations. Um, so, no, I, I think it's a good choice of friendly. Yeah, I agree, Gareth. I think that... With the games against Italy and Switzerland, and it's almost Ian Barclough's first couple of years has been almost the polar opposite to Michael O'Neill because what Michael O'Neill became absolutely amazing at was that idea of consistently beating the the teams that we should be beating, the likes of the Bulgarias and the Luxembourgs and and you know those teams that we always came up against. We knew we were we were going to go there and we were going to get the job done. Whereas Ian Barclough obviously only takes one point from Bulgaria. That was a big disappointment but gets two massive results against Italy and Switzerland. And he showed, certainly in those home games anyway, that we were able to compete and we know how to play against them. But as Ben says, League C opposition will be at Greece or a good side, Kosovo and Estonia. They're going to come certainly to Windsor Park. They're going to pack men behind the ball, potentially two banks of four. And we're going to need to find a way of breaking them down. And Luxembourg will probably provide a similar test, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even a slightly better opposition um, than what certainly those last two teams I mentioned um, will, will provide for us. I don't know what you think. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree with everything you've said so far. Like, I think they're it's absolutely perfect level of of opposition um to be going into, especially in games that you're maybe looking to experiment a little bit. But also, like, yeah, there's no point playing a, a Germany or a Belgium or a France or something that might be very entertaining for the fans to watch. But, um, and and it's important as well that one's away and one's at home because it, you can sort of create that uh, that sort of authentic environment for what a what an actual international windows window looks like um and the players that are coming in to get them them used to that the traveling between games and all that that surrounds that um and yeah so like hopefully it will uh, it will prepare them well because i think it's easy to sort of forget you can sort of think that's oh, only the nation's league coming up it's a bit of a you know it's sort of it's not the, it's not the big one but really it is the big one the Nations League, like the way things are set up now, is probably bigger for Northern Ireland than actual qualifying campaigns. Yeah. Um, certainly for the Euros, anyway. Um, so yeah, so two very important games. Um, and they've obviously they've, they've picked the opposition very purposely, I would say. And uh, yeah, especially regarding that Bulgaria result, because um, that's probably still in everybody's mind to go like, oh yeah, like that Italy. We're all in a bit of a, a bit of a high after that Italy result probably last time around, but still there's that sort of nagging uh, what what about that Bulgaria thing? And really that's what makes the um the nation league campaign so interesting for Ian Baratlov because um he has the chance now to go and prove that uh, they can take what would be a massive step in the right direction and sort of regain that consistency in those sort of those sort of matches. Absolutely. And Ben, you mentioned some of the players who uh, who you think might get the chance against the likes of Luxembourg or Hungary rather than a, a glamour friendly where, albeit the result doesn't matter, you, do, you don't want to get tanked, uh, you know, seven or eight mil in, in a game like that, haven't played, brought through some of the kids, not least because of what it might do for their confidence. But I, I feel like especially going into that June window of the Nations League, we're playing four games in a row and albeit it will be at the end of the season and, you know, the, there won't be club managers in your ear quite as much because, you know, they're going to have the break afterwards anyway there's still going to need, need to be rotation and one thing that Barcliffe did actually do successfully in the Nations League albeit we've never won on the competition was he was able to go for example to Austria after having played Slovakia make a ring of changes and still be competitive um, and you know use of the squad over those four games will be very important for us and for a long time we were selecting it felt like you were choosing 11 out of 12 or 13 players it feels slightly different now for us and uh, and some of the some of the names that have come into the squad we will come on to talk about them um but he need to use them and, and give them some some more experience in this window because this, this is his last chance before the most crucial part of Ian Barclough's Northern Ireland career yeah i mean when you're saying there about using the sort of 11 12 13 players for a while i mean the the, the problem now with that is those players have moved you know they're older now so we can't we can't rely on them being there some of them are retired um so yeah it is important that we're you know we're getting new blood into the squad which is which is um something that Ian Barkov has done and he's done he's done well but but these are the type of games that that are important to to do that and to give them a chance where there's no there's no real pressure you know you know, it would be good to, to get wins here, but as long as we're giving good performances, you know, we're we're looking like we're building on stuff, and that's an important thing. That's yeah. what I think so been so uh, impressive about Ian Baratlov's campaign so far, because I know like I'm probably more positive about Ian Baratlov than ninety-nine point five percent of uh, of Northern Ireland fans. But like I think I, I re- I've been really impressed with how Ian has treated 
the squad because I know everybody says as well Ian Barcliffe inherited such a good squad and he did in a way but also he inherited a, a very aging squad he had a lot of work to do he was nearly he wasn't even at point zero because he was at a he was he had inherited a squad that was just at or just past it just past its peak probably and he had to get players from from scratch start from scratch start from below scratch he had to find players that we didn't even know about yet and start bringing them through the likes of Daniel Ballard and uh, and Shane Lavery and um, Ali McCann, who've, like, particularly McCann and Ballard, who have sort of come from nowhere for a lot of people and been so impressive. And I think that maybe gets lost um, when people talk about what Ian's done so far. Um, and in in my view, probably a lot of people can be quite harsh on, on him because of that sort of backdrop. And uh, and yeah, it's only gonna um, keep continuing too. We see the likes of some of those players that I know we're going to talk about who are stepping up now again. Yeah, and I guess the other the other kind of just to to continue on with that point, the other thing you'd say is as well, it, it's been massively mentioned in club football because club football is every week and it's regular. But the idea that we had no supporters in the ground, I think, is first the first game we had supporters in the ground was was in September against Switzerland. You know, that was the first time that had happened. And because there was such a massive break between March and then, we didn't actually really register that as much. Now, we always talk about how good the Northern Ireland fans are and how much of a, an intimidating, hostile atmosphere Windsor Park can be um, when we want it to be. You know, either we believe that or we don't. Either we believe that that has an impact on the players or we don't. And the three, the three home games he has had, Switzerland, uh, you know, good result, brilliant performance. Italy, good result, brilliant performance. Lithuania, slightly... Um, more lethargic performance, I think, but it's, it's kind of a lose-lose scenario and we still get the win in the end there. You know, Swan beaten at home and, and uh, no goals conceded at home as well. So uh, I think that Hungary game will be interesting too. I mean, I kind of forgot how good they were. They actually obviously get to the Euros, draw with France, draw with Germany. Um, they actually got promoted out of League B as well when we got relegated. So that will be a really good test and I expect the team on Tuesday night to be a lot stronger than what the team on Friday night will be and certainly maybe to play for a little bit longer uh, as well. Not sure if there'll be an agreement between the two managers there as to what kind of side they'll put out, but we will talk about that more. If we don't get a Hungary preview out, we'll certainly touch on Hungary in the post-Lithuania or post-Luxembourg show. Too many countries beginning with L in Europe, isn't there? <laughs> um, so uh, just to talk uh, quickly about some of the emissions in the squad. We'll talk about the new players in and the players we're excited to see maybe playing these games a little bit later on but um gareth connor washington and and kyle lafferty two strikers that were admitted there was no reason given uh, on the northern ireland official uh, website or the twitter for for washington's uh, omission i'm not sure if you know anything there maybe but mm-hmm. i think he's just come out, uh, come back from an injury has played the last couple for charlton um and i guess you know it's hard really to know what's going on there but i presume it's nothing to do with the fact that that he doesn't want to play because he's always put length how much he, he enjoys playing for northern ireland and then lafferty's one of those where you know billy mckay can score 25 30 goals in the scottish championship nobody mentions his name for a call-up <laughs> but because it's kyle lafferty of course uh, we're going to talk about it he's been doing well but ultimately i think he has to get himself up the division again and, and yeah. scoring in the top league if he wants to recall at international level yeah, um, I'm not sure. I don't know any more than you do about Connor Washington because um, you bring me onto the podcast just when I've moved out of uh, actually <laughs> reporting on Northern Ireland. So I wasn't uh, I wasn't at the, any of the press conferences or anything um, when I normally would have been and had the chance to ask these sort of things. But uh, So I don't know um, what the crack is with Connor. But um, yeah, a little bit disappointing to see him not there. Connor Washington's a player that at the start of every international window, like when he wasn't named in the squad initially, I was just like, nah, whatever. But then 
it, but then 20 minutes into the first game, I go, oh, actually, I really like Connor or Connor Washington. I sort of forgot how much I liked him because yeah. like, there's nobody better at holding up the ball. Just maybe not great at putting it in the net, but he's not the only one that we can yeah. level that at. Um, and Kyle Lafferty is another one of that because like, he hasn't scored for Northern Ireland in almost six years, yeah. five and a half years. Like, and now everybody's going, oh, why is he not called up? Well, to me, it's time to, it, is it time to move on? It's time to look to the future. Kyle, what age is Kyle Lafferty now? Is he 34? He's 34 at the very he's least. 34, yeah. yeah. I think he is 34, yeah. So he's not our future, is he? Um. So to me, to me, it's time. Yeah, to me, it's time to move on, and I don't really see that as a big as a big issue. And as you say, he's playing the Scottish Championship, and um, it's not the highest level in the world. Um, and yeah, like to me, that's the right decision. And you look at the the players that are in there, and is it time for Shane Lavery to become to get his chance to be the main man? Because like stats, I kept looking up when it, back when I was in the good old days when I was a sports reporter <laughs> that. Um, since Euro 2016, which was obviously the qualifiers, which was obviously Kyle's big campaign, and he was brilliant. Since then, the I think it's uh, I, have, I haven't got it down here, but I think it's about sixty something matches, and all of Northern Ireland strikers grouped together have scored one goal in every three games. That's it, one goal in every three games by any striker, and since the start of 2018. All Northern Ireland strikers have scored nine goals in 38 games. It's not great. No. Not great at all. So it's time to look at something different. You can't just keep using the same boys over and over again and expecting it to be different. So is it time to give Shane his big chance to be the main man? I think so. I love Shane Lavery. I think he's absolutely brilliant. And I think he's looked good when he's got a chance for Northern Ireland as well. Um, and Dion Charles there as well. Like we haven't we still haven't seen an awful lot of him. No. Um, to be interesting, I was also a wee bit disappointed not to see uh, Dale Taylor about the squad again because obviously he was, and then I just thought with these friendlies it might be a chance just to. But look, it's early days. It's early days for him yet. There's no point pushing him in uh, before he's before he's ready. But yeah, so so to go back to the question, I'm sure for Connor Washington, I don't think like I think he'd be back. Like I, I don't know what the issue is, but it's not a big issue with him. But for Kyle, I just think maybe. It's time to give somebody else a somebody else a rattle at it. Definitely, and I, th- I think part of the reason that some of the players, some of the younger players, were maybe left out of the squad, the likes of Galbraith and McCallum playing regularly at League One level, as we will come on to talk about, is because the under twenty ones have such a crucial match now, and that they're right back in the balance and in that group due to obviously um, uh, sort of the, the geopolitical climate and what's happening in Russia at the moment. But but Ben, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I can't disagree with any of that really. I think. It's always funny. There's a guy on Twitter. There's many Lafferty has many fans, and it's completely understandable that we can be nostalgic about it because that guy did fire us to the European Championships. He is, you know, as much of a hero in my eyes as as David Healy is and as Steve Davis is, just because of those moments and and because of the joy that he gave us back in 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 that twenty four sorry twenty sixteen qualification campaign. Um, but there's a guy who always sort of says. Um, you know, he should be in the squad, he should be in the squad. And everyone comes back to him saying, listen, as Gareth says, he hasn't scored in five and a half years. And he always comes back like saying, that means F all. When he uh, went into the, the qualification campaign in 2016, he hadn't scored in ages either. And it's like, 
Yeah, but he was like 27, 28. He's 34 now. We could be making this argument until he's 60. Do you know what I mean? That he didn't score for a while before 2016. So I certainly don't think he should be in the squad. But um, whatever the crack is with Washington, um, it's a little bit of a blue. I would have liked to have seen that Lavery Washington partnership that we saw um, against, uh, certainly against Switzerland. I think we, uh, yeah, I think, I think we see it against Lithuania and Italy as well. Uh, Washington certainly at least comes on in that game. But like was, ben just chimes in with it. How do you have this all locked away? <laughs> this is what that, he, that quiz. He's just he's just stolen my point because my point. My, I was going to say I, Kyle Lafferty should not be in the squad. Uh, there's no basis for Kyle Lafferty to be in the squad right now. You know, I I, I love them, but I think his day is done. Um, hope to be proven wrong. But Connor Washington does disappoint me. Um, if he's not injured, I was looking that up myself tonight because I was wondering why he wasn't in. I uh, couldn't find anything. The thing, the thing that uh, disappointed me is we we went away to Lithuania uh, when we won four one. I think it was. It's, mm-hmm. it's, this all seems so long ago. Um, but uh, when we when we won there, they played up front together. They looked really really good, and then they played again against Switzerland together. Looked really really good, and then with injuries, they didn't get the chance to play again together. So. For me, if Washington is fit, this was a perfect chance. Two friendlies, get them playing together because when they have done it, they really have looked effective. So I was I was disappointed about that one. Definitely. And uh, Washington, our top goal scorer at club level this season with 10 goals and two assists in 27 games uh, for Charlton. So yeah, a bit of a blow to have him out of the squad. But I, I, we can only hope it is just he's coming back from injury. Charlton have said, listen, yeah. would you give it? Would you give us him? And I, I think League One still play, don't they, over the, over the international break? So if he's going to go away and he's still kind of carrying a little bit of an injury and he's only going to get 20 minutes against Luxembourg and half an hour against Hungary. I'm sure Charlton would rather have him for, for that Saturday game. And if he's fit and firing for Charlton, I hope he has a good season. This is, you know, this is one of his best goal scoring seasons for quite a while now. And so if you can come into June, having scored 15, 20 goals in league one, maybe even push them up. I'm not sure exactly where they are on the table. Then we will have a, a Connor Washington on the, you know, on the crest of a wave for those, those four nations league games, which is, it's going to be massive for us. Okay. Uh, we're going to go uh, to an interview with uh, Ben from the at Luxembourg Footy Twitter account. He's going to tell us a little bit uh, about the game from a Luxembourg perspective. But before I go, I'm just going to leave us with a trivia question, which the lads can think about over uh, this quick break. And we'll answer it when we come back. So obviously, as we've mentioned already, 2013, uh, Luxembourg are involved in probably one of the best games in their football in history, Northern Ireland are involved in one of the worst. It ends Luxembourg 3, Northern Ireland 2. Um, and the trivia question is, can you remember Northern Ireland's two scorers that day in Luxembourg? Uh, I'll have the answer for you when we get back, but here is Ben from Luxembourg Footy to give the game from their perspective. Okay, I'm delighted now to be joined uh, by Ben from the at Luxembourg Footy Twitter account uh, on to give the, uh, his perspective of the game from a Luxembourg point of view. Um, ben, thank you very much for coming on, first of all. Well, thanks for the invitation. Welcome, everyone. Uh, glad to be here. Happy days. Okay, well, first of all, I, I want to talk about, well, I, I don't want to talk about this, but I, I think you're maybe going to want to talk about it. Um, it's not entirely relevant to, to this game, but the 3-2 defeat for Northern Ireland in Luxembourg in, I think it was 2013, is is quite a historic game in the in the history of Northern Ireland. It was a, a really terrible result for us. And at the time, Luxembourg were, were considered huge minnows in Europe. And I think as we're going to come on to talk about you're certainly not considered that anymore. But as much as that was a, a devastating result for us, I think it was only your fourth ever win in World Cup qualifying. And how big a result was that in Luxembourg uh, all those years ago? Uh, yeah, it was historical for Luxembourg as well, not only for Northern Ireland. Uh, before that win, 
uh, I don't remember the exact figures, but I think it's been decades since Luxembourg had last won a competitive fixture. So uh, at home, at least. Um, so it was uh, it was a great thing, and it was very historic, and it was a completely other you know scenario with different teams with a much bigger gap between the two teams. I think, even though maybe I could say that both teams have improved from that point. Um, yeah, because uh, Northern Ireland has uh, quite a couple of championship players and League One players uh, nowadays, and they get the occasional Premier League player in their team uh, from time to time. And Luxembourgish team have actually changed uh, even more. So there aren't many familiar faces from the 2013 match now. Uh, so yeah, I think I think Northern Ireland might be in for a surprise uh, this time. Okay, yeah, well, we will see. And you mentioned there that, that Northern Ireland have massively improved and, and that Luxembourg have massively improved as well. And I want to just slightly touch on that because, I mean, I'm not sure, maybe you could shed some light in exactly when you think the turning point was, but, you know, in recent years, you've in the most recent World Cup qualifiers, you, you pick up nine points and you obviously get a, a quite famous win in Dublin uh, against our neighbours. And, and, and even in, in the qualification campaigns before that, I remember you giving Portugal a really good game obviously up there and competing in League C now as well. So, um, so you know, you're, you're a really sort of competitive nation. And certainly um, before you were seen, you were maybe seen alongside the San Marinos and the Andorras, maybe not quite uh, to that Minos to that extent, but but now it, there, there really has been an upturn in fortunes. And what do you put that down to? What do you think that is as a Luxembourg fan? Is it just a, a good crop of players have come through and a bit of luck or has there been a real sort of system and structure in place for the last few years? Yeah, this uh, this last qualifying campaign was uh, well quite a big achievement, but not exactly a miracle. So this nine points, I was very glad with, but it could have been even more. So as you've mentioned, the Portugal match, we were one nil up, uh, and we, we actually had a chance to keep one point at home at least. And well, it didn't happen, but we were uh, we weren't that far off. So I think the improvement in our football in the past ten or fifteen years is kind of a chain reaction which started from the top of, of the National Association, where uh, some progress was made involving uh, academies and they started treating younger players better. They looked uh, for future opportunities for them in France or Germany, or they, they uh, hired some scouts to, to look at the guys and take whoever they want to the neighboring countries because, uh, you know, wherever they get the Netherlands, France or Germany, they will get absolutely elite top tier for bowling uh, guide and coaching. So <clears throat> that, that was a huge thing, I think, and that started the whole progress uh, that has been made up to this point. And that's why we've, we've got a current crop of promising uh, youngsters. Um, yeah, it has been going on since because of uh, some very ambitious uh, people at the top of the association. And we've, we've got a, a very nice manager for the national team as well, Luke Holtz, who has been here for over a decade and is the longest serving European national team manager. So uh, he, he, is, he provides the stability, you know, uh, the consistency. We all know, uh, we always know that the formation is going to be free for one to every player, you know, their roles and stuff like that. So it helps a lot, obviously. And we are looking forward to the next qualifying sections as well because it, it surely wasn't luck all the way, you know. Yeah, definitely. And that's fantastic to hear. So exciting times 
ahead for you guys on the international stage as well. And I think the Nations League is is quite similar for for both Northern Ireland and Luxembourg. Obviously, you guys have have come up the division. We've dropped down from League B, but it provides a real opportunity that as as two of the stronger sides in League C, you know, if we win our group or even finish a, a strong second in our respective Nations League groups, there could well be a pathway to, to at the very least a playoff for, for Euro 2024. And this is, you know, two nations, Luxembourg and Northern Ireland, who 10 years ago or maybe 15 years ago, you certainly would have never dreamt uh, of and ever getting anywhere near a major tournament. And I was having a look at your group earlier today. You've got uh, Turkey, uh, Lithuania and the Faroe Islands. And I feel like... Um, from from me looking at that as a as an outsider and as a neutral, you know, you it would be a massive ask to finish above Turkey. But do you think from a Luxembourg perspective, it's going to be a case of you've come on and improved so much in the last few years that you could realistically look at getting 12 points from those games against Lithuania and the Faroe Islands. And then at the very least, uh, you make it into a, a, a kind of shootout in those two games against Turkey. I'm not sure if you, you feel the same way about that. Uh, yeah, I want to I wanna pick up on what you were talking about, uh, Northern Ireland and Luxembourg and the progress they have made in the last 10 years. Obviously, we didn't have the miracle in 2016 that you had, and I'm quite jealous of that, uh, but there is there's still a long way to go. Um, about Nations League, actually, that's I think that's the only competition I don't exactly know the rules of because it's so twisted and, and turned, and it's, the same, uh, it's not the same every year, so you can qualify for different competitions via different places. Uh, but yeah, I think I think this one is for Euro 2024 qualifying play of places. So uh, yeah, but our group, well, the first place is I think pretty much out of reach for us. Uh, even though we have uh, come a long way from who we were uh, ten years ago or so, uh, but but Turkey are just <clears throat> such a big step, I think. So they are still uh, levels above us. And unless they, they really overlook us and they don't treat us seriously, we, I don't think we, we are capable of, of finishing above them. But with a little bit of luck, maybe. Um, and, and just uh, poaching on their misery or mistakes that they make against us, we, we can be in for a first place. Uh, otherwise, we are, we're going to have to focus on the games against Lithuania and Faroe Islands. Uh, they are strange teams to play against, especially the Faroes, because... They are a very northern side, um, and their pitch is, is uh, quite hard to play on as well because it's artificial turf, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, and they're a very defensive uh, side from what I saw before. They, <clears throat> they really park the bus, and they really make it uncomfortable for you to play against them. And obviously, Luxembourg still lacks the technique and the quality of, of those players who can just change the game uh, individually. So we're, we're lacking a bit on that front, and that's why I'm really uh, a little bit worried about the Faroe games. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think we're going to lose any of, the, any of the four if we're uh, uh, in our best form. Uh, Lithuania are, are easily beatable. Uh, I'm going to have to be cautious saying this because uh, no one's that easily beatable for a side like Luxembourg. Uh, and it, and it still feels quite strange, you know, saying that a side are pretty easy to beat. Uh, but, but yeah, Lithuania quite seem like they, the weakest team out of the four. And I would put them in fourth place and maybe us in second place. Yeah, and, and that will give you a, have you in with a shout of a playoff as well. All you would then need for a good second place is, is one of the, the, the group winners in League C to qualify automatically, which 
when there's 20 teams that, that qualify through through normal qualification, that's that's entirely plausible. So exciting times ahead. And you're absolutely right. I remember us playing the Faroe Islands. We've, we've actually played the Faroe Islands quite a lot over the years. And uh, the most recent one was was on our in our qualification for Euro 2016, which is one of our best teams. And even then in the Faroe Islands, they made it very, very difficult for us. It was a couple of late goals. Um, I know they made it difficult for Scotland recently. And you know, there's many teams who have gone there and struggled. So, you know, they're another team another nation that's massively improved. We didn't have many problems against Lithuania, so hopefully you guys will be the same and, and can get a, a, good, a good result in, in that group for, uh, for, for Luxembourg in the Nations League. Um, but regardless of whether you think first place is, is out of reach or whether you think uh, a playoff is in any way plausible, it, it is a massive um, Nations League campaign for Luxembourg. And I guess that these are the, the last matches that, that both Northern Ireland and Luxembourg will play before that campaign. So do you expect Luxembourg to treat these two friendlies a little bit more seriously, given that it's so important that that they have a good result in the Nations League? Or do you still expect to see some young players and some fringe players come in and, and be a little bit experimental? Um, unfortunately not. I really would have liked to, to see them, but uh, the only thing I can really rely on is the squad selection. And it hasn't got any new names, which is disappointing for me, because with the introduction of Nations League, we only have like these two or maybe another two friendlies in a whole year. So we could just capitalize on that and use them for uh, experimenting with young players or giving players their debut, informed players in Luxembourgish League, for example. But, but no, disappointingly, it's, it's the same crew that we've seen for the past two years or the best part of the last two years. Um, so I, uh, that must mean that these matches will be treated seriously and that we're going to give our all um, in both of these friendlies against uh, Northern Ireland and Bosnia and Herzegovina, unfortunately. But yeah, again, I really wanted to see some tactical and and uh, personal experimenting in these two matches. Yeah, well, um, so similar squad to what you've had in in recent and uh, in, in kind of most of the last two years you mentioned there. And who are the danger men in that squad, or or even just kind of the standout players? I, I had a look, and there are a lot of players playing sort of across Europe and in the in the in the European leagues. It's not just as as a lot of European countries can be, just players playing in the local league. And um, so, who are the real standout players? I mentioned danger men, but I, I feel like you can. That kind of suggests I'm talking about attacking players. I mean, not necessarily just anyone who, who stands out in your side. And I've, I've watched a little bit of Rodriguez, I think it is, um, who's, who's played very well. And when I've seen him, albeit that's only been a couple of games, and I know he's maybe had some some uh, some trouble at club a club level this season by the looks of your tweets, anyway. And um, but who who are the standout players for Luxembourg that Northern Ireland should be wary of on Friday night? Uh, so yeah, the biggest change uh, compared to that 2013 match was that. Uh, Back then, the, the majority of our players were playing in Luxembourgish League, and now they're all over Europe. Uh, we have players in the Championship, in the Dutch top league, in the Bundesliga, uh, in the Ukrainian top flight, uh, or, or yeah, uh, other leagues such as that, in the Belgian top flight. Uh, so we have a solid base to build up on. Um, and Actually, I think I could name the majority of the starting 11 on Northern Ireland because I don't think there will be many surprises. Uh, the biggest danger uh, could well be Jason Rodriguez, as you have mentioned. Unfortunately, he is currently without a club. or well, He is a Dynamo Kiev on paper, but he's allowed to leave uh, because of the unfortunate situation that's going on over there. Um, he, he has to be the major threat in this team, even though he isn't really playing. Uh, I think he... He has played like three or four matches this season at club level. 
which is quite horrible, but it seems like whenever he returns to the national team, he turns into someone else and he becomes quite like a hero for this country. And I'm looking forward to it. Um, another one of our biggest players is Sebastian Till, who played in the Champions League this year with Sheriff Tiraspol and scored some miraculous goals against Real Madrid and Inter. Uh, it's worth watching if you haven't watched it yet. So, uh, yeah, just, just uh, type it on YouTube and you will find them. They were absolute screamers. Uh, he's one of the most important teams in, uh, players in his team. While Anthony Morris could be given a shout as well because uh, he's playing in saint Joans in Belgium. And they are leading uh, the Belgian top flight, having just been promoted the season before. So it's, it's uh, the fairy tale story in Belgium right now. Um, Morris has particularly played well in the previous uh, qualifying section games for the national team, especially against Portugal, where he saved one of Cristiano Ronaldo's deadly overhead kicks. Uh, so yeah, I would expect these three players maybe to kind of step up and give their best in these friendlies. Okay, so Rodriguez, Till and, and Morris, players to look out for. Um, just before you go, Ben, give me a prediction for this game. Ooh, it's going to be tough. Uh, first, a question. Do you think Northern Ireland will treat this match seriously or do, do they have any debutants in the squad or any new faces around? Yeah, we, 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 have, some, we have some new faces in the squad. Our second friendly is against Hungary at home and, and Hungary have you know, qualified for the European Championships or in Ligue 1 in the Nations League. So I expect that team to be a little bit stronger, but I still expect Northern Ireland to take this seriously because it's an absolutely crucial Nations League ahead for us as well. Uh, yeah, so I would go with a draw. Uh, I would appreciate a draw. So let's just predict 1-1 to be exact. Okay, 1-1, there we go. Then, Well, thank you very much, Ben, for your time and appreciate you coming on. Well, thanks for inviting me again. It was good to talk to you. Um, goodbye. Okay, massive thanks to Ben from Luxembourg Footy for that insight there. Okay, the trivia question, if you remember, was who scored Northern Ireland's two goals in the famous 3-2 defeat to Luxembourg in 2013. Gareth, you say you're pretty sure on one of them. Do you want to give it a go? Oh, well, no. No, that's unfair. I've thrown you under the bus there, to be fair. I think, did Macaulay score? Gareth <laughs> Macaulay does score the equaliser, yeah. Um, I've no idea about the first one. I'll hand over to Ben, who no doubt has like the minute that the goal went in. And <laughs> away in there. Not guilty. I'm going Chris Brunt, though. It wasn't Chris Brunt, no. Uh, uh, it was actually Martin Patterson. Martin Patterson yeah. opens the scoring. Um, then Luxembourg go 2-1 up, goes 2-all with the Gareth McCall equaliser, and they score in the 89th minute to make it 3-2. Anyone remember who scored the goal and the 1-all draw with them at home? Chris Brown. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was Dean Shields, actually. It was Dean Shields scored that oh, goal. Um, I think it was his first international goal um, that night. Yeah, so... Good to see we've all wiped that game from our memories anyway. I've done the exact same, so I just had to look that up earlier tonight. But uh, yeah, well done if you got any of those any of those goal scorers at home. One player we forgot to talk about uh, with the emissions was Jamal Lewis, um, who is not in the, in the Northern Ireland squad again. Ben, I'm just going to come to Gareth on this because I know, you know you're not exactly his biggest fan, certainly the way he's been playing recently. But uh, to me, Gareth, it's, it's a bit of a weird one because he's been left out of the Newcastle squad um, after some of the, the big money signings they made in January. He's now he's now going to get I think surgery in Germany, but he was left out before. I think that was a thing, and I'm just a little bit worried about this because left back to me two years ago, you'd have asked me that, and I'd have said, yeah, we've got our left our left back for the next ten years. It was such a welcome 
uh, player mm-hmm. coming through, especially with Chris Brunt retiring. Uh, of course, Chris Brunt, he seemed to score every game, uh, according to Ben. But um, <laughs> it, he, he was coming through and you thought that was sort of for 10 years. But now you're not quite so sure. He's been a little bit ropey at club level. And it's a bit of a strange one. His next move for me needs to be very well planned because if I sort of think of who Jamal Lewis could play for, you know, we knew Liverpool were after him in the summer. I sort of like the style of player he is, a go to like mid-table in the Premier League and then a go upwards rather than downwards because I think I can get, I can get exposed when the kind of more defensive football is played. We've seen that for Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a it's a really interesting crossroads in his career anyway, isn't it? Yeah, no, it absolutely is. Um, at, Like, it is concerning, but I wouldn't say I'm concerned to the level of you know, oh, he might actually not be Northern Ireland's left back for the night. Like, I still think he is. Mm-hmm. I know there's probably, um, I think I probably am his biggest fan in terms of the journalists anyway. I've always really liked him all. And I think he's really, really uh, a really exciting player and really suits to me. He was like one of, if not the player who really embodied the change in style uh, for Northern Ireland in the late days of Michael O'Neill when they just became sort of a swashbuckling, high-pressing, fast-moving team. like, And I just thought it was really exciting. And I still think Jamal is that, but obviously um, the fact that he's not barely going to play any games over the course of the whole season for the likes of things is uh, is not ideal. And um, certainly his days at Newcastle are, are going to be over this summer, it would seem to... Yeah, it's weird. I, I don't know who plays left back for Norwich these days. Oh, just get back. I don't think I've watched. Uh, I don't think I've watched. Brandon this Williams. Brandon Williams. Williams. Yeah, okay. Okay. I stop my competition. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, where, whether it's back there or wherever he goes, uh, he, he needs to go somewhere where he's absolutely certain, sure. And even if he has to drop, drop down to the championship briefly again, although I know he will absolutely detest having to do that and probably would do anything he could to avoid doing that because he's very ambitious and very confident in his own ability. Um, but yeah, even if he, even if that does have to be the case, it's not exactly alarm bells ringing. Like that would be fine as long as he can go back and get, just get playing. As long as he get games, then no problem. He'll be, he will still be a really high performer for Northern Ireland. But um, I know people, uh, people maybe disagree with that, and people maybe disagree with uh, how good he actually has been for Northern Ireland because I am aware that not everybody is as big a fan of his as I am. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And I think, um, I think he might be like the first player to ever go on a a every other year contract the way Norwich are going. The king king to go up and down and up and down. And every time Jamal plays in the championship, he seems to do really well. So uh, just flog him off for a season um, while they're in the Premier League, and then and then take him back for the for the ninety point season they seem to get every other year. So uh, yeah, that could be an interesting one. Just a uh, quick uh, as well. Another thing I want to touch on. Um, ben, I know you follow the under-21s quite closely, and I think, Gareth, you've probably done some reporting on them on the past as well, but what seemed like a, a completely dead campaign, Spain and Russia were running away with it. We were on six points, Spain and Russia on 15, um, first qualifies automatically, top three second-place teams go through to the finals as well, and then the rest get a playoff, the rest of the second-best, uh, the rest of the second team, sorry. Get a playoff. Now we're not exactly sure what's happening with Russia at the minute. They have been suspended from UEFA competitions. Um, results I don't think have been officially nulled and voided, as far as I'm aware. But you'd expect that to to be what happens. And if it is what happens, it leaves us three points behind Slovakia, and um, with a better head-to-head record, we beat them at home. Um, and if we go to Slovakia on Friday and win. Um, then we leave ourselves with three games to go, um, exactly the same three games as Slovakia have. I think it's one against Spain and 
maybe one against Malta and somebody else. Um, but it puts us very much in the box seat for a playoff for the, the under-21 Euros, which seems absolutely mental given we've lost over the way to Malta. Yeah, I mean, we've lost four games and we're still within a chance, which is ridiculous. But um, no, I think they ended, they ended the last international break really well. They played really well, um, beating Lithuania. And then uh, I think Malta was the last game and it was a ridiculous red card for Trey Hume right, right towards yeah. the end, which kind of killed the game. But um, but yeah, no, I, this the group is alive again for them. Um, Slovakia are beatable, as we've seen with beating them already. Uh, you, you need to go there and you need to be you know, going after them and, and, and get the win. And then then you never know, you might end up with a playoff. Um, but I, I think what you, you touched upon earlier was about, you know, why we, I, I am originally thought, you know, why is Galbraith not in this Northern Ireland, you know, first team squad for, for friendlies? But then I thought, is he going to, is he really going to get into our team at the minute with Ali McCann, with all those players? You know, I, I'm talking June, I'm looking at June. Probably not. So he's better, he's probably better served helping out the under 21s. And I think, I think that comes from Barakov being a former twenty-one, you know, manager. He's not going to decimate them. Um, I, I, I do what I do wonder. You know, we we have taken Hume away from them now, uh, as well as Paddy Lane. So I wonder how that will affect them. Although a fullback is somewhere where they're quite strong at twenty-ones. Yeah, it's an interesting one, Gareth. Ben's right. Um... Ian Barclough has spoken about that at length before, this idea that it's very frustrating as an under-21 manager because obviously your remit is ultimately to prepare these players to go on and become senior internationals. But at the same time, you're kind of the victim of your own success. If you develop players and and and, and make them play really well on the, the under-21 international stage, you could be without four or five of them for the next game. And do you think that has played into the 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 kind of relationship between Ian Barclough and uh, John Schofield in the sense that he has been able to pick these players? And we've seen before some players go away with the under twenty ones and then join up for the next game mm-hmm. uh, for the senior side. And uh, you know the under twenty ones were supposed to play. I think it was uh, Russia. I think that was a game they were supposed to play. They're now playing a friendly against France. Which, to be fair, you probably do want uh, your mm-hmm. best players for because France's is under twenty ones are are notoriously a ridiculously good side as well. So. Do you think that's that's kind of played into the the team selection uh, and the squad selection of Barclough, or do you think maybe Galbraith and McCalmont were left out on on merit? I'm not sure what you think of that. Um, okay, yeah, maybe has done it. Maybe has done uh, done a wee bit because it is a very strong uh, a very strong squad. There even Sam McCalmont um, down there as well. I mentioned Dale Taylor earlier, uh, so it is a very strong under twenty one squad. But that's great and that's very exciting for the the players we have coming through like i can't remember the last time northern ireland had such a breadth of young players coming up that you actually were genuinely excited about shea charles from manchester city who i haven't even mentioned either he's in the 121 squad um and every one of them you just think they could actually be an absolute smasher like there's five what's that five players we've named there from the under 21s who could actually be like proper top 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 notch um which is just great it's so so exciting and that's with the likes of McCann and Connor Bradley and Trey Hume etc already in there and Daniel Ballard already in the the senior squad I just think there's really there's a, it's a really exciting time for Northern Ireland right now um more so than it has been in in many a long year in terms of players coming up and just how high the ceilings of those players are um, because really, each and every one of those, you think they have potential to play in the Premier League? Yeah, absolutely, they do. 
Yeah, a 3 p.m. kickoff for the under 21s on Friday, the 25th of March. Charlie McCann as well. Charlie McCann. Charlie McCann's a really good find. You know, he's a, he's a he's a great player from what I've seen so well, far. Well, what have you um, seen of him? Because Ben, I know you sort of you sort of follow the Rangers teams as well, and he's he's had a couple of minutes for the for the senior side, hasn't he, this year? And in, in yeah, I know he came on recently. What what do you think of yeah, him from what you've seen? He's, he came on and he came on in the last two cup games, um, and he's looked really really tidy. But I also I watch the Rangers B quite a lot as well. Um, and he's, he's very tidy on the ball. Um, the, the, only, the only thing that I find frustrating about us having all these great players is when you look at a Galbraith, McCalma, and you look at Charlie McCann, you know, I wish they were sort of spread in the field as opposed yeah. to being three good centre midfielders <laughs> um, because we do have, you know, Ali McCann and all as well, who's, you know, not exactly old. Um, but no, Charlie McCann's a great find. He's really tidy on the ball. I don't want to compare him to Steve Davis, but he's that type of player. I'm not saying he's going to be Steve Davis by any means, um, but he, he, he can pick a pass. Um, he's, he, he can hold or he can be box to box. So no, he's, he's, a, real, he's a really good fan for us. Well, there's three new faces, Gareth, in the, in the squad, as, as far as I know. Well, actually, yeah, no, no, three, because Southwood was in the, the previous squad, wasn't yeah. he? It's, it's Paddy Lane. Uh, Trey or Trey Hume? I've I've no idea what I'm going for there. I've heard both. Trey, it's Trey, right? We'll we'll, we'll go Trey Hume uh, and Keelan Boyd Mons as well. Called up in the uh, after Maddie Kennedy was um was pulled out of the squad because of an injury. Um, Gareth Paddy Lane's an exciting one, isn't he? He's he, he's one that's kind of he declared for us last year, and there there wasn't an awful lot of hype about it because I don't think at the time he'd even broken through to the Fleetwood side, or maybe he just yeah. about had, but he's, he's had an incredible season, a breakthrough season for, for Fleetwood. We've got a couple of stats on him here. It's, he's, he's five goals and eight assists in 32 games for Fleetwood, who are 19th in League One, you know, so so not exactly creating loads of chances. And, and this, that, and the other, he's involved in 26% of, of Fleetwood's goals this season. He, he really has become a bit of a talisman for them. Uh, and at 20 years old, it's, um, it, it, it's, it's very exciting times, and, and he's potentially a player who could, who could come into our squad for the next few games. The only thing is, he is a right winger, and we don't tend to play with those. But I think he's played a little bit of centre midfield as well. So, uh, what do you know about him? Uh, just what you've said there, really, is <laughs> it's about the height of it. Yeah, like I haven't seen him playing at all. Um, but like, obviously, I've heard about him and what he's doing this season, and um, he's been nominated for League One Player of the Month once or twice, or I don't know, a couple of times maybe over the course of the season. Like he's really, he's really, really impressing a lot of people over there. And um, as we said earlier, attacking players is what uh, is what Northern Ireland need more than than any other right now. So if he uh, can come in, and fingers crossed, he gets the chance. Probably, well, I don't know which of these games is more likely, but fingers crossed, we'll get to see him certainly in at least one of these games off the bench or whatever. Um, if he can really just put a wee marker down there, um, I'm sure we'll find a way to get him into the team because if somebody looks like they're uh, going to add a bit of uh, to attack and excitement into the team and look like they might be able to lay on a chance or score a goal, then uh, I think they'll they'll find a way to get him into the team because they certainly haven't scored too many goals under under Ian yet. Andy, he played on the he played on the left for the twenty ones against Lithuania. Um, right, okay. Was was one of the best players on the pitch. He was that was the first to be honest, the first I'd ever heard of. Oh no! Oh, you've cut out there, Ben. Absolutely. Do that again. Just start again there. Um, do okay. that. Just say um, seen him playing the left or whatever. Yeah, so he played play for a left wing back and left left wing uh, for the 21s against Lithuania. And he was absolutely fantastic. It's the first I'd ever heard of him, to be honest. 
Um, but he was probably one of, one of the best players on the pitch. I think I talked about it on the podcast just after that yeah, game. Right. Um, but yeah, so I was, I was surprised there when you said he's a right winger. So that's because like he did play on the left for us and he, he looked so at home and was brilliant. So I really hope, I mean, for me, when you look at these two games, the Luxembourg games, the one to really be experimental on, I, I'd start him in that game. Yeah, well, cat's looking in. Then. I know. I was, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to ignore that. This is a video. <laughs> <laughs> your, your cat's not a fan of Paddy Lane there, but uh, Ben can go <laughs> let him out. Um, but but Gareth, the other, the other player, I will not talk too much about Boyd Munns because I haven't actually seen an awful lot of him from a from a senior football perspective. But obviously, try him another player, the latest player. Uh, well, along with a couple of others, like Sebastian Smith as well. But one of the latest players to go over the water and um, transferred to from Linfield to Sunderland in January. And you know, I think he was pretty much one of the best players in the Irish League this season. I living in England I don't overly I don't get the chance to overly follow it but um, it's yeah it's, it's one of those it's another player gets across the water gets a couple of games I really wish Ben had muted his microphone but we're just going to go on with it, <laughs> I don't have I honestly don't have time to edit this tomorrow um, but uh, yeah he's got a couple of games for <laughs> he's got a couple of games for Sunderland um, they're struggling a little bit recently they've they've really had a, a period of bad form I think they lost 6-0 to Bolton and lost a couple of home games but you know it won't be this season that we see the best trihume at English football level. It will be next season that he's really going to make his mark. And with him and Bradley in the squad, a couple of exciting young right backs or right wing backs, this will probably be. And do you reckon probably give them a game each? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully. Um, I'd like to see. It is Trey Hume, apparently, Trey. Uh, as Ben said earlier, because I can't remember where I saw it recently, but uh, Trey was sort of, I think he was asked uh, how you pronounce it, and then was just saying, yeah, everybody seems to be calling me Trey, and that's not right. <laughs> so I can just apologise on behalf of myself and everybody else who reports and commentates in the Irish League, who are all calling him Trey, and I have no idea why. So yes, Trey, uh, he was very, very impressive, even for Balamina last year. Like, he was brilliant for Linfield in the first half of this season, but last season for Balamina, whenever um, maybe the spotlight wasn't on him as much and it doesn't get picked up as widely, but he was absolutely smashing for Balamina uh, last season. So solid in defence, but yeah, really good going forward. Just a really strong, modern fullback that's good in both both ends of the both ends of the pitch, which you have to be. Um, and I was very, very impressed with him. He remind, Maybe it was just because he was playing for Balamina, but he reminded me of Michael Smith in terms of how much he stood out because I still remember Michael Smith coming through at Balamina at that right-back slot and just how much he stood out. Like Maybe it's it's harder to stand out at, at full-back than it is in, in other positions, but Michael did it and Trey did it as well. He was absolutely outstanding. So um, it'll be really exciting to see how he does. But I know he played a couple of games early on for Sunderland, but hasn't really played that many uh, recently. I'm not sure whether he, I think he maybe had a wee injury issue, did he? But um, be good to see him getting more game time over there. And obviously, it'd be great to see him getting a wee game. But yes, like the unfortunate thing for him is that uh, it's not a great time to be a young Northern Irish right back because Connor Bradley looks like an absolute world beater. <laughs> He does indeed. Yeah, a couple of new couple of new faces in the, the Northern Ireland squad. And I'm sure if Paddy Lane scores a goal or two, um, we won't be short of a chant for him. I think there's quite an obvious one in there. And maybe the background on uh, on Gareth's Zoom there would give us a uh, a little bit of a clue as to what we could do with that. You know Bradley's player. injured. Is he? Yes, he's that. still in Liverpool getting treatment. Uh, Barclough said that today. Um, so I'm, he's still in Liverpool. He got injured for the 23s, Liverpool 23s. And he's getting treatment there, and they're not sure whether he's going to make either of the games. So I'm assuming we will see Trey Hume. I hadn't seen that at all, but 
you've completely ruined my excuse of that. I was just going to blag that we'd recorded this last week or something, Ben, but uh, you've just exposed me <laughs> of, of, for not doing my homework there. But yes, well, thank you very much for that. Well, is he, has he officially pulled out of the squad then? No, or, he hasn't. Uh, he hasn't. He hasn't. Okay. He's so he may, sure. he may come back in for Hungary. So yeah, well, I, I think you probably want to do Bradley for that Hungary game as well, give him that little bit of an extra test. Yeah. Um, and Hume probably fits into that, that Luxembourg game a little bit better. Um, I'm not entirely sure. I've got a couple of players I kind of want to talk about. I'm not sure we'll get through them all. Um, but there's one I circled. And I think in particular, me and you, Ben, definitely in this podcast, have been I've been a little bit frustrated with with this recently and and especially in the friendlies when when Dion Charles has come through and you know was I think he was our top scorer at club level last season with 19 or 20 goals for Accrington. Yet when these friendlies came along, he seemed to get sort of five, 10 minutes here and there. Um, and wasn't, you know, wasn't, didn't really get the chance to, to show himself at that level. And, you know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting dynamic because when he's come on, he's looked sharp, he comes on against Switzerland. So he's obviously trusted, you know, he was thrown in 25 minutes for a big game, was trusted there, but we haven't actually seen him start one of these friendlies yet. Do you think with his move to Bolton kind of reviving his, his season after the contract dispute at Accrington, it's time now that he actually gets 60, 70 minutes in a game to show himself. And if he's rubbish, he's rubbish. We know, you know, maybe we can't trust him for the future. I don't know. No, absolutely. It's a perfect opportunity. Um, you know, he's got all that contract stuff out of the way. He's moved on. He's playing regular football. He's scoring goals. You know, it's a friendly. Why wouldn't you start him against Luxembourg? I'd like. I quite like to see him and Shane Lavery start up together. Um, sort of. I know. Although, funnily enough, I would have said a year ago they're two two small players. But I mean, it worked with Washington, so why would it not work with him? So yeah, he's playing regular football. He's scoring goals. What you know, at Northern Ireland, we don't have the luxury of uh, turning down players like that. Yeah, six goals, three assists, Gareth, since uh, he joined Bolton in 16 games. No goals in the last six, though, um, so maybe a slight uh, dip in form for him there. But I don't know, every time he comes on, he just he looks hungry to me. He looks sharp. He looks like he really got the bit between his teeth. I think when he got called up to the Northern Ireland squad, he was, you know, you could see in the interviews, he was absolutely buzzing about it. And um, he was so keen to, to come in and impress. And I don't know, I, th- I think at the very least... and. Ian Barclough sees him in training. Ian Barclough may, it may be a stylistic thing. It may be he doesn't rate him as, as particularly highly as what we see at, at League One level. He was a little bit, I think, disappointed not to get his move to the championship. And his, his form last season probably did merit that, um, all things considered. But he's got his move to another League One club. We know he can score goals at that level. It's the same as Washington. It's the same as McGuinness. It's the same kind of as Lafferty, Liam Boyce. We know they can score goals at that level. Um, they've had enough chances. Why not give Charles a game? Yeah, no, I totally agree. And Charles and uh, Lavery is the obvious to me strike pairing to to play on Friday night to give them a give them a go and and see see how they go. But then we've said before, well, certainly I've said before, leading into friendlies that oh, this is the time that Dion Charles is bound to get a start now, and he never does. So uh, well, it might again seem like oh, well, this is obviously the time he's going to get his chance. He might not. Um, and maybe we'll just be restricted to seeing him off the bench again but I hope not because uh, as you say he does always look pretty exciting when he comes on and he looks direct and he's obviously a goal scorer so um, and we've we've talked before as to the the huge issues that there are like it is a huge issue scoring goals is the is the issue they're good defensively but um, they can't just keep doing the same things and so uh, with no harm to Josh McGinnis but um and I wouldn't be overly excited to see Josh McGinnis named uh, in the starting lineup on Friday night. Just like that's no harm to him either because he is their he's our best performance striker over those last few years in terms of goals even. But uh, I just think um, it's time to try something different. 
Yeah, definitely. I think it's uh, yeah, it's, it's it's one of those. Josh McGuinness plays the, the two friendlies last June as well, and, and we weren't happy about it. Really, we, we wanted to see a couple of players get a little bit of a run out, and at least then you know, you know, we know what McGuinness can do, we know what he can offer, and I think. Even if Charles is just a goal scorer, and I haven't seen really enough of him, um, I don't think any of us have because he doesn't really play that much for under twenty ones, and very few people, aside from Bolton Wanderers supporters and, and Akron supporters, will act, have actually seen him kind of at length. We don't know exactly the style of striker he is, but even if he is just a goal scorer, Lavery does so much off the ball, and um, you know that might be just just kind of what we need. Lavery creates chances, run the channels, um, and leaves it for Dion Charles to, to finish them. So uh, yeah, I'd really like to see that strike partnership. I was going to do a little bit of about Gavin White's form. Um, Albeit in the number 10 role for Oxford, I don't think we're going to quite have the time to do it. I think I'm going to wrap this up quite quickly, but 10 assists this season could be one to watch. And, and you know, that's kind of one of the players. We talk about McGuinness, Lavery, Dion Charles, I guess Gavin White as well is, a, is an option in that front too. And, you know, the first two games of the World Cup qualifying campaign, which is less than a year ago, even still, he, he starts with McGuinness and White. So, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't entirely rule out Gavin White for a start against Luxembourg. Uh, obviously, Steve Davis is, is still in the squad and Johnny Evans has been called back in, albeit only for the Luxembourg game. And I'm not going to go around everyone in that because I think it's just a case of I'd rather we just use that to help Leicester out, to be honest, because I think the most important thing from Northern Ireland point of view going into June is that Johnny Evans has, has turned his season round, has got enough football. And if that means Leicester basically use us for to get him 35, 40 minutes, wherever he is in this development, I think that's probably best for us. But uh, the final one I, I just want to talk about briefly is 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 Luke Southwood, who, who seemed to be having a very good season uh, when he was called into the Northern Ireland squad in November, Ben. Um, for Reading, since then he has been dropped. They've brought in... Uh, another goalkeeper at Reading, and I've seen on Twitter he's been getting a little bit more stick, albeit, you know, it's Twitter, football fans are fickle, um, and he's still young in his career, you know, he's going to make mistakes, what's the point in playing in the championship, he was never going to make a mistake, he might as well be in the Premier League already, um, so despite all of that, would you still maybe give him one game here and give Bailey the other, do you think, or do you reckon Bailey's done enough to merit a complete number one slot, even in friendlies for now? Well, again, Bailey is injured for the first game and will possibly be available for the second. So sorry to show you up again. So uh, <laughs> so we recorded this last Thursday. And yeah, oh my God, I'm really sorry. This was yeah, announced okay. today. Yeah, um, to be fair, I'm straight out of work and I'm straight on to this. So uh, yeah. yeah, okay. So I would imagine that Southwood will play. Unless... You know what? I was going to edit out your bad internet, but you've exposed me so much. I'm just leaving this all in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'd imagine, I'd imagine they'll both get one game. Yeah, game of peace, then, Gareth. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Like, obviously, again, uh, none of us are watching these sort of uh, lower, like, championship or League One England game or English games to see these people in action for the club. So it'd be interesting to see what he's like. And it's, I think, it is important that, like, realistically, it would be very surprising if anybody ousts Bailey as Northern Ireland's number one over the coming years. Um. Just I didn't get my say at Christmas, but Bailey absolutely was my player of the year last year as well. Uh, but uh, so it would be surprised to see anybody ousting him. But at the same time, you do need to have that backup there. And Trevor Carson, Michael McGovern aren't getting any younger there. Uh, again, they need to find somebody who's going to be the backup long term. Uh, Connor Hazard's there too, but we just haven't really. He just feels like his senior career just isn't hasn't got started. Um, so yeah, why not give him give him a go, and, and uh, it'll be very interesting to see if uh, and, and needed as well. Yeah, let's see what he's made of. Why not? Connor Hasler got a chance this time last year. Um, let's give like Luke Southwood a chance in these friendlies. As well, okay, very good. We're going to wrap it up there. Thanks very much for coming on, lads. We will have uh, post match shows for Luxembourg 
uh, and hungry. Dave Dunning will be back for the to host the, the Luxembourg Post-Match Show. I'm missing the first half of that. I will watch it back and do a little piece on it maybe for the website. But uh, until then, do follow us on Twitter, at Spurda2016pod. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook as well, and um, try and do a little bit of coverage throughout the year, not only on the international breaks. But yes, hopefully you enjoyed our first podcast of 2022. Hopefully a couple of positive results, if not wins for Northern Ireland in these friendlies. Uh, And we will see you again on Friday night after the Luxembourg game. Thank you very much, Gareth Hanna. Thank you very much, Ben Harshaw. I've been Andy Bell, and that's been your preview podcast. All the best. Bye-bye.